Hi, this is Terrell Somerville, the lead pastor of Freedom Church. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you enjoy the message today and that you'd also take time to get plugged in to your local church. We believe you can't do life alone, so we learn to do life together. I also want to thank our givers who make this podcast possible. If you are blessed by this ministry, please consider subscribing, giving, and sharing this with your friends and family. God bless you. Hey, welcome everybody. Thank you for tuning in today and watching us here at whatever platform that you are on. And I want to say to you, invite others, share this with others, have watch parties, whatever you want to do on that. But hey, the reason we're going online, as you all know, is for the safety and concern of our Freedom Church family. And so that's why we're going to be worshiping online and we're going to be getting the word online. So uh, those of you that are a part of Freedom Church, I want to say welcome to you. Thank you for coming online today. And also, I want to say thank you to those of you that may be brand new. If you're brand new, do us a favor. Shout out to us. Give us a comment or shoot us an email on our website or something like this. And I just want to say to every one of you, I love you from the bottom of my heart. You know, it's been a really wild week. It just blows my mind for what's taking place. And ever since the government announced that it was going to be a national emergency, everything has went crazy. There's been panic over peace. There's been fear over faith. There's been fake reports over the facts of what's taking place when it comes to the coronavirus. And when people heard uh, all this hysteria going on and people were going out and you couldn't find toilet paper, and you couldn't find sanitizer. Uh, We all knew then when we saw shelves that were empty that it was truly an epidemic. You know, this past week, you know, there was all these long lines and people fighting over basic necessities and food and things like that. And so I just want to tell you, Freedom Family, that I've been praying for you. Uh, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for those of you that might be the first time you're tuning in with us today. And and uh, just been praying for everybody because it's just a craziness of what's going on. And I agree, and we all know that it can be scary. It, it can worry us. And we know that it can be... Uh, to the point that we get really anxious because when you look at schools and and you look at businesses and you look at restaurants closing and and things like that, um, it's crazy. Now we're looking, instead of March madness, it's March sadness for those of you that are sports buffs. But when churches are closing, that literally blows my mind because... I've never witnessed this before in my lifetime. So we're all about washing our hands. We're all about sanitizing. There are people that are quarantining. There's people that's all about the social distancing. And then there are those people who are preparing for funerals for the loved ones during this time. I just want to share a a couple of things with you. Uh, This is a novel virus. That means there's no immunity to it. That's what makes it bad. And also, this virus, it's 10 times worse than the flu. If you are 60 years old or older, uh, you're at higher risk. And also, um, if you have any pre-existing condition, influenza, any kind of uh, stuff going on with your breathing or anything like that, you're at a higher risk. So with that being said, I just want to say to you that we need to really be praying one for another. We need to really pray for our, our president, our leaders, the health officials. We need to pray for the health industry. We need to be praying for our doctors and our nurses and our hospitals, those first responders. No doubt they have this state of fear that's going on in their life as well with this pandemic. And uh, not to mention the economic challenges that, that's happening and the consequences, because we're all thinking and wondering each day, what's next? 
because we really just don't know. So there's a lot of hype that's going on. I think we'll all agree on that. There's a lot of hysteria more than needs to be. But in this week, I was glad to see that there was also some humor. I want you to check this out. You know, laughter, Solomon says, is good medicine. Uh, But with all seriousness, I want us to think about some things. I want to tell you, Freedom Church family, I just want to give you my promise that I am going to lead our church family through this crisis. And uh, if you're not part of Freedom Church, we just want to welcome you on right now. We're so thankful that you'd take the time to, to be a part of this. We care about you. We're here for you. And we love you. So we're going to jump in here, what we were doing last week. We started a series called Four, but here's what I want to tell you of why that we are for you and the reason we're doing a series called Four, because we're for you. We know God is for you, and uh, and we're for you to help you, and we're going to help everyone our very best to be able to get through this time. You know, one thing I thought about in, in this time of talk is in this four, we're for common ground, even in this crisis. When you think about a crisis, uh, this has hit us faster than anything that I've ever witnessed. And, and there's been a lot of times throughout history, there's been common ground. You know, the last great big thing that happened, and I think a lot of people know that, was of course 9-11. And it was on everybody's mind. But now everybody's got this commonality. Everybody's talking about the coronavirus. And I began to think about Paul when he was talking and to the Corinthians there in the New Testament. Now, I, and I want to read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22 and 23. Check this out what Paul says. He says, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. People that hear that he was talking about, there's people that were weak in spirit, weak in their faith. There's people today that are weak spiritually, they're weak physically, they're weak emotionally, they're weak financially, they're weak relationally. There's all these things that's going on. And, and Paul's desire was to bring them to Christ. And he says, yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. He wants to get them to the Lord. He says, I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. So when I read this, what I know when it comes to the church, worldwide and the local church, that God's assignment for his church is for you and I to be able to be faithful stewards of the potential that God has given us, but yet God has entrusted us with. So God has allowed all of us to enter into this time of common ground, yet we know it is a crisis. And it made me think about Coca-Cola. You know, I remember when I was little, I always used to drink these small Coca-Colas and get a pack of peanuts and things like that. But here's something I want you to notice about the Coca-Cola logo, okay? Did you know that the logo of Coca-Cola is often referred to as the second most notable logo in the world? 
You say, what do you mean by that? Uh, this symbol is the, most, is the second most noted symbol in the world. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Part of the reason it's like that, because Coca-Cola's goal is to be able to have a Coke in arm's reach of everyone on this planet. I mean, that's what they're wanting to do. That's crazy, right? So when you think about that, a Coke in arm's reach of 7 billion people, that's just almost crazy. But yet Coke, I want you to understand that they continue to make these huge strides in order to achieve that goal. Now, why is that? You ever thought about that? See, Coke is very, very passionate about the real thing. Coke is very passionate about what they do. They really believe in sugar water, apparently, right? So with that being said, if Coke is the second most notable logo in the world, I asked you this question, what is the first most notable symbol in the world? Now, some of you have already said it. Some of you are thinking it. You said it, but anyway, with that being said, it would be the cross everywhere. We see crosses on top of churches. We see crosses around people's necks. We see crosses sitting on people's tables. We see crosses everywhere. And when you think about the cross, the cross like Coca-Cola, and you're thinking about Coca-Cola, we have a lot of work to do when it comes to the cross as a church to be able to explain the meaning of the cross, to be able to explain the beauty of the cross around our community, locally and globally, and around our entire world. Still, many people they just really don't know what the cross means and what Jesus did for all of us on the cross. See, Coca-Cola, they would never say, oh, we've reached enough people with Coke. I mean, there's enough people that's drank our Coke. There's enough people that's experienced the real thing, you know. Uh, they'd never say that. Coca-Cola would say, there are still more people to reach to have the real thing. That's what they would say. So, Please, never let it be said that we're more passionate about sugar water than we are Jesus. That would be a terrible thing for the church. See, Coca-Cola, you may tell you what about them. They're not focused on their success. They're focused on their potential. That's what they're looking at. That's why that we want to focus on ours as well. See, our focus as a church, it isn't to be able to let people know that there's something greater than Christ. We've got to be people that we're not going to let people know that there's something else in some kind of derivative or some kind of method about the church. We're not going to talk about and relish in how much success that we've had as a church. We're not there yet. We want to reach everybody to be able to know God and to be able to reach their potential that God gave them because they made him in his likeness and in his image. That's how he created every single one of us. See, God made all of us for a purpose own purpose. And that's what's really awesome about God. And you know what I believe? That's why the common ground today is this crisis called coronavirus. To go from the coronavirus to getting our attention on Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're watching right now and you don't know Christ, you don't know much about him, you may have heard of his name and and you don't really understand about his amazing grace, you could not have picked a better moment in your life and history to be sharing with us in this moment here. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to share uh, with each of you uh, today 
that are part of the church. Maybe you're part of Freedom Church and you're watching. Glad you're on. Be sure to let us know that. Be sure you fill out the connection card. Let us know who's in your living room and all those kind of things or friends you've invited. Maybe you're part of another church and, and maybe your church didn't have service or whatever reason uh, you couldn't watch it online. So glad you're watching. But maybe you've never been part of a church at all. I want to say to you, I want you to especially enjoy because I'm going to share some truth with you. I'm going to be talking to the church about how the church is doing and how the, we can do better when it comes to that commonality, when it comes to that common ground, especially when God has allowed something to happen like this crisis that we're in. See, when we began this series last week, it was all about what we were for. So that, that brings up the question we talked about last week. What do we want to be known for? Now, think about that in your business. Think about that in your practice. Think about that when it comes to school or government or education system or whatever it is. But here's the bottom line from last week when it comes to what we want to be known for as a church. See, many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. And so we want to tell you, and we made our statement last week, we are for Sumner. There's people that come from all over Sumner County to be a part of this church family. We are for the people in Sumner County. We're for the schools. We're for the businesses. We're for all of Sumner County. And I don't even want it just to, to, to be able to survive. I want it to be able to thrive in this county. And that's the reason for we're for all of Sumner County. Because because God is for Sumner County. He's not only for Sumner County, he's for every county in Tennessee, this state, our nation, and our great world. And here's what I know, and I think this is what's happening. In this crisis, this crisis can drive people one of two directions. People will either blame God or it drives them to be searching for God. And the reason so many people don't really know Jesus Christ and they don't attend a church is because a lot of people, and it might even be you, you've already said no. You say, well, what do you mean, preacher? Maybe they've said no or to the church or maybe they've said no to the Bible and they don't believe it. Or maybe they've said no even to Jesus himself. So... A lot of people have asked this question, why would God allow this devastating virus? I believe, truly believe, and I will tell you, in praying and seeking God, it was to get this world's attention. See, the greatest growth in the church was during the time of persecution. And they were running for their lives. They were being killed. They were being tied up in animal skins. Christians were and unleashing animals on them in sporting events just so they could laugh and for their pleasure. There was a physical danger in the persecution of the church long ago. But today, it's a virus. And everybody's wondering, will I get it? And here's what I want you to know. Uh, he can take care of something Jesus can that's far worse than the coronavirus. It's the virus of sin. It's where we miss the mark. And that's why he came, he lived, and he died, and he rose again to shed his last blood. That's why that Jesus died on the most notable symbol in the world, 
the cross. So people would believe and those who may have already said no, that they would say yes to Jesus. They would say yes to the church. They would say yes to forgiveness. They would say yes to his amazing grace. They would say yes, not only to a great life now, but eternal life. That one day when they do check out, they know in eternity where they're checking in at. So in this time of crisis here, I hope and pray as a church and as a body of Christ is our response to this time that we're in, that we're going to show our community that we're for everyone. And in a time like this, we have the opportunity to show everyone that our Heavenly Father is for them as well. See, it's about saying yes to those who may have said no. That's what ends up happening. Jesus gave us this very clear clue in Luke's gospel in chapter 19 about what we're supposed to be doing and based upon what he said here in this story. Now, when I look at this story here and and it's the story of Zacchaeus. See, when I was a kid, I remember singing, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. Okay, that was a song we sang. I'm going to stop there because I want you to keep listening. But anyway, here Jesus, here's a guy named Zacchaeus. And Jesus goes and he enters Jericho. And as he's going through the town, let me tell you about this little short guy, this short in stature in Luke's gospel chapter 19. He was a tax collector. He was hated of the day. Uh, The Romans absorbently took a lot more taxes from the the people than they needed to. But here's a guy that had heard about Jesus. Matter of fact, it says in in verse 3, it says, he tried to get a look at Jesus and he couldn't get a look at him. So what did he do? He climbed up in a sycamore tree. And when he climbs up in the sycamore tree, Jesus comes walking by. He gets to see Jesus and Jesus looks up at him and tells him to come out of that tree because I'm going to your house today. So he climbs out of the tree. He's all excited about Jesus coming to his house because Jesus had called him by name. And that's what Jesus does. When Jesus, when you look to Jesus, Jesus all of a sudden, he'll call you by your name in your heart. And that's what he was doing to Zacchaeus in this story. And so he said, you got to quickly come down. I'm going to be a guest in your home today, Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus climbed down and he went to his house. The scripture says there was great excitement and there was joy in this. And then all of a sudden, the religious people, they began to complain and they grumbled that this Notorious sinner is going to be a guest. You're going to be a guest, this notorious sinner, this tax collector that we hate. You're going to his house. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood, the scripture says, before the Lord and said, I'll give half of my wealth to the poor. And, and he said, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I'll give back four times as much. So Jesus responded this. He said, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Wow, and I don't have time to jump into that part. But when they said that, they said, whoa, (laughs) not him, son of Abraham. Because they didn't want him to be a son of Abraham because of his lifestyle. But not only that, it was showing that it's him being a Jew, that he never was a part. And they always want another part of Abraham. But here's the verse. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those of us who are lost. See, Jesus was very clear that he came to seek and to save those of us that are far from God. And many people are more familiar, though, when it comes being for people. The church is being known more for being against people. See, we want to be known as a church family. I want you to be known for who you're for if you're a Christ follower, not what you're against. We want to be for the people around us. We want to be for our county and our state. 
You know, I remember a young man named Tony in our church, and I remember years ago when he first came, and we were talking about this, even this afternoon, he was talking about, you know, the, the time that I came a bunch, he said, did you know that I was coming to church drunk? I'm sure there would have been somebody out there that's listening. Maybe that would have been against him. He had been drinking. He wasn't stumbling by no means because I saw him. But he was an avid alcoholic. But you know what the difference is? He cried out to Jesus Christ in his garage one day after hearing the gospel here. And as he cried out to Jesus Christ, he gave his life to Christ. And today, he's a single father of three beautiful children. And he used to be the most prideful, arrogant person but I knew it was his insecurities, and Tony would tell you that. But let me tell you about him today. He's the most humble, loving Christian man you could ever meet that would give the shirt off his back. See, Jesus came to seek and to save Tony and anyone else like us in the world that would come to him. So when I think about that, when you think about someone that's lost, how do you even define that? People who have not only said, I don't want anything to do with the church. I don't want anything to do with those people called Christians. I don't even want anything to do with Jesus. And so often, many times, those who feel like the church has said no to them, Understand that maybe that's because you've been hurt by a church. Or maybe someone that said they were a Christian and attended a church judged you and shouldn't have. Or maybe they said something about, you can come to our church, but you can't dress like that. Well, listen, there needs to be a dress code. We have a dress code at Freedom Church. Wear clothes. If you don't have clothes on, we'll let you know, okay? That's just where it's at. But so many times people get hurt. And our church is, is, our church is to where that we want to say yes to anyone who has been said no to in the direction of something that they thought that they didn't like about the church. And they said, no, I don't believe like that. Or I don't want part of church and that Jesus thing. But most of all, maybe you just don't know. Maybe you've never explored it. Maybe you've never realized you were lost. And you thought that maybe you need to look for Jesus like Zacchaeus did. So with that being said, I want you to think about this. Listen, God has allowed this time in our history to have common ground of the coronavirus to get people to the cross. Get people to the cross. Where that that infectious virus of sin can be forgiven. Well, that's shedding of blood. There's no remission of sin. That's what it tells us in Hebrews 9. And not only you die out at the cross, you come alive in Christ. And you have a great life now. And, you know, when I think about Coca-Cola, you know, and I look at this bottle and I think about how many I've had when I grew up. You know, Coca-Cola never had this insider thinking. You know what I'm saying? Um, to stop them from trying to put a Coke in arm's length of every person on the planet. And see, the insider thinking, if Coke had have done that, it would sound something like this. Well, we've already got and had a lot of people drinking Coke. We've done a really, really good job with Coke here. It, they never thought like that. Yet the church has often thought like that. See, again, if Coke was more passionate about sugar water than we are about reaching people for Jesus as the local church, the hope of the world, God help us. See, there's a drift that can happen in any organization toward insider thinking. And that even happens in the local church so often. Churches can be guilty, and I'll tell you what they're guilty of. They're, guilt, 
guilty of trying to craft services and craft the church and how it's operated and how it's structured to be able to appease people that already have salvation, that's already been to the cross, that already have their reservations in heaven, and they know they're going to heaven. And they think, well, if you'll do this, I'll be a part of your church. If you'll just do the songs that I like, I'll be a part of your church. I need you to do that program. And you know what's funny? I don't get a lot of emails about things like this. You know what I get? Anonymous notes and anonymous letters. Nobody, they want to put on there, if you'll do this here, I'll be a part of your church. If you don't do this, we're going to leave. And sometimes they do. But see, the best kind of church, and I want you to listen to me real quick. And I want you to listen to this. If you don't, you're not part of a church, I'm talking to the church people right now. The best kind of church for you to be a part of isn't a church that caters to you to be able to invite you uh, into, and you cater to, to be able to cater to what you want. It's a church that invites you and me into a mission of focusing on people that are far from the cross, that are far from God, and that they are invited into a mission with Jesus to be able to seek and to save those that are far from Jesus. Listen to this statement, and, and I, hope, I hope it'll be on screen. I'm going to put it on screen. I hope you get this. You will never know what the church can do for you until you experience what the church can do through you. It's a realm of walking with Christ that Christians will miss if they don't take the opportunity. So how do you say yes to those who have maybe said no. Maybe you're the one that said no. How do we as a church say, uh, say yes to them? See, so I want to get practical in how we're going to try to do this as a church family. There's two ways that the Apostle Paul did this, and we learn from Acts 17 when he went to Athens. It says, so Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I noticed that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. Basically, when he saw the shrines, he could see all those things from the top of a hill. He could see all the different shrines, all the different objects of worship. And this is incredible because this is the first thing that Paul had did. You know what he, he did when he went there? He went out into the community. He walked in the community. He observed the community. And then he listened to the people in the community. And this is an example that led us, even in our church and our staff, to a helpful practice. So let me say this to you. One thing that we need to do as a church is we need to say yes by listening more. We need to be listening to people. We need to take the two ears and do twice as much listening as we do speaking. A church needs to listen intently to those who are searching for answers about God, we need to give them answers and listen to what's bothering them in their life. And we need to let them know that we care about what they're talking about, especially now when people don't understand what's going on, when people are fearful and people are worried and people are losing their jobs, they're losing their wherewithal to be able to make a living. They're wondering what's next. People are losing their loved ones. People are hearing, oh, my loved one, they tested positive. You know, Cheryl Bockleter, She's the former CEO of Popeye's Chicken. And what's amazing about that company is that the turnaround that happened with the company under her leadership. And when she was asked what was the most important action that she did to be able to implement the kind of change that happened, she immediately said, I went on a listening tour. And she began to listen 
to all of those in the franchises, the employees, the managers. And she would say, tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. And so when I think about some good examples of that, a few years ago, when it comes to listening and when it comes to thinking about it from the realm of faithfulness in Christianity and where people are with Christianity, there was a study that was done and, and it was with people who say they have no religious affiliations. They're called the nuns. And I want you to know that those are the people that were these, this study was done with 18 to 34 year olds and they live in the United States. And the question was this, this is a question they was asked of them. How interesting, how interesting would it be for you to hang out with a church pastor or staff member? And do you know what come back? 84% of the unchurched, this group of 18 to 34 year olds had absolutely no interest in hanging out with a pastor like myself or a staff member. Now, I want to talk very straight right now to you if you're a pastor, a church leader, a church staff member, even a Christian. Now, if you're not a Christian and you're just checking this out, and, and listen, you can lean out for a minute if you want to, but I just want to talk to those. If they aren't interested in hanging out with us, then how are we going to share with them Jesus, the greatest hope in all the world ever? But there's a glimmer of good news that I will share with you. On the listening tour, and when this survey took place, this is what happened in it. What, if anything, do you like or would you like about a church? You know what they said? It was community. It was that fellowship. That was the one verbatim thing that stood out in this survey. I would be more likely to attend church if I could find a community I could relate to. So how can we help in that? Think about that. I'm asking the church Christians, how can we do in that? We're not talking about compromising the gospel. We're not talking about compromising our beliefs. We're not talking about watering down our values. We just need to be available and listen and listen and listen. We need to let people know we are for them. We have common ground in this world as human beings. And our church is for them. And most of all, we want them to know who we know. And that's Jesus. But here's something else to say yes to. We need to say yes in a common, unifying way. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, let's read on here. When it said here that Paul noticed and told the men of Athens that they were very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, those objects of worship. He said, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. See, there needs to be a common, clear way of communication that runs throughout the church and to Christians everywhere. And so he found a way here to find common ground with them to tell them about a known God through Jesus Christ. And so from a person that's very young to an adult Christian, we need to take the opportunity to be able to communicate a purpose that, that they can understand both about inside the church and outside the church. There's commonality. There's common ground. I love what... 
Corrie Ten Boom, the Holocaust survivor, she said this, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And I want to say to you, I'm sorry if you've been confused about the church or you've been confused about Jesus or you've been confused about the Bible. And I just want to apologize for that. But here's what I want you to know. We love you. We care about you. And God is for you and we're for you. But here's one more yes that we need to say yes, church. We need to say yes that no matter what we go through, God will go through it with us. Let's read on this story because I think it's really prophetic. And when I mean by the word prophetic, I think there's a future tie-in from what happened this day with Paul and what's happening today. He goes on to say, This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything. And he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall. And he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far away from any of us. I believe that there's a common ground then was a common ground in our day even in this crisis that we're in for all the nations to seek our living risen Savior you know what's amazing to me that (laughs) Coke they're still trying to reach more people and you know what So are we. So if you have said no to the church, you said no, you don't understand the Bible, or you said no to what we believe, or you've even said no to Jesus, there's something very powerful that happens when people who have said no to the church they realize the church in this moment we're saying yes to you God has blessed our church and he's blessed the universal church with an opportunity 
of potential because there's more people to reach to know God. So we're going to say yes to them and we're going to show them that we're for them and that most of all, God is for them all. And if you said no to the church, maybe you said no to Jesus. We're for you. But please know, most of all, God is for you. And he proved it by giving his only son to give his life for all of us. I will tell you, we're going to get through this time. This isn't the end of the story. So I just want to make some promises to our church family. I promise you're not going to be alone. If you need us, we're here. We're praying for you. And we don't want you to be alone. So please, please know that. And, and next, I, I, we want you to, to be able to communicate with us as we go along this journey. Please let us know. Uh, you know, I want to let you know we're going to be there for you. And, and we'll communicate with you as we go along. It's going to be a week-to-week thing. We don't know what week that this church building is going to be open. It's going to be safe for all of us. Something else I promise you, we're going to give you spiritual nourishment. So stay in touch with us by email, social media. We'll be shooting out texts and things like that. But also we're going to serve you. We're going to serve you as long as we know your needs. We're here for you. But also we're going to continue to, to offer these worship experiences online. And so we don't need to have a, we don't have to have a crowd to, to worship Jesus. We don't have to have a crowd to, to hear his word. We just need a willing heart. But also, I promise you, we're going to help you to help others. So if there's something that you want to do, I'm going to tell you about this in just a little bit. But there's also something we need from you. And, and I'm talking mainly to our church family. But if you want to jump on board, we invite you. We need your contact info, especially your emergency contact info. Um, if we don't have your info, you can email us at info at freedomfamily.us or you can text us. Just text us and get on our texting service. It's the simplest way to be able to do that. It's 615-900-2176. I'm sure they're going to put that up on the screen. But also to our church family, sign up for online giving. Of course, you're not here and and we want to be able to continue leveraging technology. But most of all, as a church, we want to continue being able to do ministry into the community. We want to be able to do ministry and be able to help people and keep things moving forward. There's a lot of things that's going on for the students. There's things going on for the children. There's things that's going on for the adults. We want you to know that. So you can give online at the website securely, or you can text to give. It's very simple. You can see how to do that. But also, I want to challenge you to meet with your friends or your small group. If you're already in a small group, and we have a lot of those, meet with your small group on Sunday for the worship. Have a watch party. Maybe you just got a friend across the street's lonely, and you can invite them to come over. You say, well, I'm scared to. I need to put a mask on. You know what? You pray through that. If God leads lead you to do that, you do that. But just know that we're going to get through this time together. But something else that we have, and we've developed and it's on our website. It's called Get Help, Give Help. If you go to our website and you click on it and you need help, 
you can fill it out and let us know. If you want to give help, if it's time or resources or prayer, you can give help. That's what's important. We're in this thing together. And we're going to get through this crisis together. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, 9, and 14, it says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will rise, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. Let's pray together. Father, God, I pray for peace in this time of this pandemic. I pray, God, that you would give a calmness of your spirit on every person listening in this moment. I pray that you'll give a calm spirit to their family, to their children, to their parents, to their siblings, to their grandparents, to their brothers, their sisters, their friends, their family, their neighbors. God, in this time, God, we know that you are with us and you're going to be with us through this time that we're going in. God, we pray, God, for those that are hurting and have lost loved ones in this crisis. Comfort them, God. We pray, God, for those that have been tested positive. That we ask for your healing power. You are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And we're praying for healing in the name of Jesus. We pray, God, that you will dissipate this virus, God. Give wisdom to our nation's president, our leaders. God, be with them, God, in direction. We pray that you'll be with our doctors and nurses and first responders and hospitals and makeshift hospitals, God. Protect them from this. God, we pray, God, for the impact it's not only having God physically, but God, it's having economically. We lift, God, those to you that are hurting financially with their businesses and hotels and restaurants and losing jobs and all those things. God, we pray, God, that you would put hands and feet on the church globally to help each other in this time. God, we love you and we praise you. And we pray, God, there's going to be an explosion of faith in you like never before because of this viral persecution going on in the world. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Maybe you've been watching for a while and, and I've talked about how the cross is the greatest symbol in the world. See, Jesus Christ came from heaven, from his Father's side. He came and he put on skin. That means he was born of a virgin, Mary. See, his Father is the Holy Spirit impregnated Mary. And that's why it makes him without sin, because he never was born and conceived of another earthly father. He's got a heavenly father. He walked on this earth he was 30 years old 
And by Jewish tradition, that's when a rabbi would take off and begin ministry. And that's when he did. And for three years, Jesus done so many things. He helped people. He loved people. He helped the blind to see. He helped the, those that could not hear to be able to hear. He helped those who could not speak to be able to speak. He took a little boy's lunch and made it to be able to feed thousands of people. And raise the dead. And then he said, in a garden, when he's praying about giving his last blood, which was perfect. See, he was God in the flesh, but he was also human body. He never sinned, and he prayed about becoming sin for us. And he said, Father, will you let this cup pass from me? But then he went on to say, not my will, but your will be done. And they took him, and they came and got him. And they put him through six trials over that night. And they beat him. And they put a crown of thorn on his head. On his head and they made fun of him and put a purple garment on him and called him this king king of the Jews and then he proved his love for us you know how see he could have called on 12 legions of angels the Bible says to come and get him and get him out of this but instead of doing that and wrapping his arms up and say I'm not going to do it he stretched his arms out and says I love them this much and those who took his last breath and beat him profusely and stabbed the sword in his side and he gave up the ghost. Before he did, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then he gave up his spirit. They put him in a borrowed tomb and in that borrowed tomb when it came Sunday morning, the women go to put more spices on his body as part of the embalming process. And it's hard to find a dead person that's living, the angel said. You're looking for Jesus among the dead. He's living. So he stayed around for 40 more days. He was seen of over 500 people. History tells us that. But then he ascended back to the Father in heaven. And he's there at the Father's right hand right now. And he's wanting that moment like Zacchaeus did. That you, if you don't know him, would look for Jesus. So I want to pray with you. And if if you feel impounding your soul or you're there with your family, just bow your heads where you're at. We're going to pray together. I wish I could pray your prayer, but I can't. It's your prayer that makes the difference. So if you'll just, you just bow your head where you're at and acknowledge him and invite him in your heart and tell him, say, Lord Jesus, I want to ask you into my life today. I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins, the things I've done wrong. Tell him I believe in you, that you did come to this earth, that you lived 
died and you rose again for me. Tell him, I confess my sins to you. Please forgive me. I ask you to save me. My life is yours. If you prayed that and you meant that from the depths of your soul, you just caused a party in heaven. The angels are rejoicing. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Be sure that you let us know that. And they're going to give you some directions on how to do that. You can comment below if you're on social media. You can send us an email. There'll be some other ways. Be sure to fill out a connection card. We're going to follow up with you. And we're going to reach out to you. Because you just made the most important decision in your life. And that decision determined your eternal destiny. So thankful that you tuned in today. Looking forward to being able to share with you next week. God bless you. And have a great rest of this day. Hello, Pastor Jim here. I just wanted to come on and thank you for listening and help answer the question, what next? If you gave your life to Jesus today, we would love to take that journey with you. Simply text the word SAVED to 615-900-2176. And make sure to follow us through the week on our social media accounts at Freedom Church TN. We love you. Have a blessed week.